turn with me to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. Like I said, next week we'll start looking at the book of Acts, look, look at some highlights. Pastor, Pastor Dennis and I have been working on uh, what are some key passages through the book of Acts um, to, to kind of take the power reading approach to it and see what made the early church um, have the opportunity to spread, spread the gospel literally to the nations. What was God doing there? How did he use them? And how might he be using us? Uh, with his word and his spirit. So come and join us for that. But this morning, it's foundational to understanding the gospel. The question has to be asked, and Jesus is building his kingdom, and he's, he's building his church on this rock. How do we get there? And Jesus makes it very clear uh, at the tail end of Matthew 16 that there is no crown without the cross. There's no crown without the cross. There's no kingdom without the cross. The cross is essential to his plan and to our opportunity to have a place in his kingdom. So let's read that together. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 26. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? That is the question that Jesus sets before us. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. So here we have the disciples with Jesus, just having a conversation, looking around all the false gods of the day. And, and it's crystal clear that Jesus is the one true living God. He is the Christ. And Peter acknowledges that. The disciples acknowledge that through Peter's uh, spokesman mouth, you could say. And, and it's established. Our identity comes from Jesus. He, he is the one that we've been looking for. He is the chosen one of God. He's the son of God. And, and there's no one other than him. There's no other God that we add in with him. It's, it's Jesus and Jesus alone who is God in the flesh. And, and Peter acknowledges that. And Jesus says, yep, that's right. You're blessed. God has revealed this to you. And on this rock, on this gospel confession from the lips of my followers, that's how I'm going to build my church. And so this is where the disciples get excited, okay? Like, like there's a bounce in their step. All right, Jesus is building something. This is big. This is kingdom time. This is what all the Old Testament told us. The king is coming. He's going to set up his kingdom. I'm on the edge of my seat. All right, Jesus, just tell me what I got to do. We're, we're going to Jerusalem, right? We're going to set up the kingdom. All right, James and John, they're jockeying. Okay, which side of Jesus we're going to sit on when he's on the throne? And everyone else is like, what, what's my place going to be? And, and then Jesus says, okay, we must go to Jerusalem so I can die. And it just utterly shocks the disciples. Right, you can hear a pin drop. It's crickets. Wait a minute, Jesus. You said you're the king. 
you said you came to bring good news, the good news of the kingdom. This does not sound like good news to me. And, and, and Jesus, we're with you. We want to rule with you. We, we want to see you take the throne. We'll help you. We'll help you set up your new kingdom. Even Judas Iscariot, he's not betrayed Jesus to this point because up to this point, he thinks he's got a place coming. And Jesus says, no, I must die. I must suffer. And then I must rise again. So he makes it clear. Hey, that kingdom's coming. But that kingdom doesn't come unless there's first a cross. So the first point we see here in this text is the good news comes with a cost. Jesus showed his disciples he must go to Jerusalem. Okay, you're correct. I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. But now you have to understand just as important as what I've come to do. He didn't just come to fix up some wounds, to feed some hungry people, to, uh, to build some kind of like nice social circle or community. He came to offer eternal life. But that comes with a cost. Which, isn't that usually true? When something sounds too good to be true, it, it usually is. Okay, so uh, this past week we had a, a salesman come to our house. He's, uh, he sells uh, water purification technology. And, uh, and he came and he's like, I just want to do a test. I want to show you your water. And basically, I'm showing you how cruddy your, your water is. Even the stuff you get from the filter in your fridge, guess what? It's not that much cleaner than the stuff in your tap water. And he did all these tests. And he put these droplets in and he showed us and, and it's true. Our water's not as clean as we thought it was. And that's just, that's how it is. There's tons of, tons of junk in the water you drink. Not that it's like harmful, harmful, but it's not pure, right? It's not purified. And then he showed us what happens when you use purified water in your cooking, your drinking, you know, you can even clean with, with pure water and I have to use soap, which like, this is amazing. Like this is, this is awesome. Okay. So at the end of his presentation, he says, do you have any questions for me? Yeah, just one. How much does it cost? That's all we care about. You sold us, man. We want this technology. How much does it cost? And then he tells us, you know, it's, it's close to $10,000 for this technology. And you have to buy it all up front. And then we'll come and install it. Like, yeah, we don't have any more questions. Thank you. You know, pre appreciate the time. It's just, it's just too good to be true. We can't afford that. That's not going to work. So Jesus, you're saying you're going to come and save the world? That's awesome. And Jesus says, but there's a cost. This is not going to come cheap. Do we think that our sin is a small thing? That God says, oh, that's not, that's not a big deal. You sinned against a holy God. You broke my law. You broke a uh, covenant with me. You are, are a hater of good. The human race is, is murderous, immoral, proud, jealous. They're gossips. They're disobedient. They're rebels. And the Old Testament makes it clear. It doesn't matter what what uh, ethnic identity you have. It doesn't, doesn't matter how religious you claim to be. Whether you try to keep all the law or you, you, you've broken all of it. Guess what? We all fall short. We have all sinned. And because of that, there is a cost for our sin. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. None. So Jesus says someone has to pay the price. So think with me, if there's a price to be paid for eternal life, who's going to pay it? We're talking about the whole human race here. We're talking about all the sins committed, the past, present, and future. 
and I am one of the offenders. I have broken God's law, so I can't pay it. Even if I say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll die on the cross on behalf of mankind, I'm not the perfect sacrifice, so that makes no difference. It doesn't cover the sin. I'm not a spotless lamb, which is what the Old Testament calls for, a spotless sacrifice. So Jesus says, I have to be the one. I came to pay that cost because we're not just partially broken. When Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, it's not like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you're, you're imperfect, but, but it's okay. Jesus is going to put you together anyways. No, we don't realize how broken we are. There's not even a foundation here. So Christ is laying the foundation with his body and his blood to provide a relationship between man and God. And then on that changed life, on those gospel confessions, heart by heart, family by family, he builds his kingdom. And Hebrews 10, 19 tells us when we believe in him, we have a confidence, but it's not through me. And it's not through what I've done. And it's not through what I've built. My confidence comes from the blood of Jesus. And he's the great high priest, which means he's the perfect go-between between God and man. He came from heaven, from God to us. And when he died and he rose again and ascended to heaven, he shows us the way to get there, to have hope for eternity. So he says, I must die and I must rise from the dead. It's a two-way ticket. So once we get past the shock factor, it actually makes sense. Because if my sin is a big deal, as this, this whole book has shown since Genesis 3, we've wrecked everything. Jesus came to fix everything. But he's got to pay the price. He chooses to pay the price out of his love for us. We see a second point in this text. When Peter's taken aback by what Jesus is saying here, and you and I are too, maybe you're even a little bit offended this morning to think that your sin is such a big deal. I know it's hard for me to understand too, um, apart from, from looking at Jesus. But we also see that sinful humanity sees obstacles like that, and we want to take the easy road. We want the crown now, Jesus. I don't want to wait, and I don't want to do this. I don't want, I don't want this sacrifice thing. That, that's not for me. So Peter takes Jesus aside. And Peter just, I mean, he just had this amazing answer a couple verses ago. Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Awesome, Peter, A plus. And now he takes Jesus aside and says, you're wrong, Jesus. Far be it from you, Lord. Like, like as far as the east is from the west, get that thought out of here. This will never happen to you. So Jesus says, I must do this. And Peter says, this will never happen. It's like the strongest Stiff arm to the face of what Jesus just said. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You hinder me. You're not setting your mind on the things of God. You're setting your mind on the things of man. So isn't Peter just a really good spokesman for all of us? I don't need saving that badly, Jesus. You know, we can set up the kingdom now. In fact, Jesus, I will go one further and I will protect you. I will save you from this, this dreadful death you're talking about. Man, this is human nature through and through. We think we have it figured out. We think we have the way and Jesus will protect you or you come with, you ride with us, Jesus. You be our mascot. 
And Jesus says, just like he did in Matthew 4, when Satan tempted him with all the kingdoms of the world, all he has to do is bow the knee to Satan. He says the same thing. Get behind me, Satan. That's a selfish thinking. That's a man's way of thinking. That the dream for the kingdom and, and this thing that we're going to build, we're going to do it together. We're going to do it now. We're going to do it without any need for a sacrifice for our sins. So um, Jesus used a play on words here. Man, Jesus is just... He's so amazing. His every word, his every set, it, all his sentences are perfect. So he just told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. So on this gospel confession that you're making, I'm going to build my church. And now here he's saying, Peter, now you're a stumbling block. Like you're a rock that just dropped in the way of God's plan. And you're trying to hold things up. So that's one of the many reasons we know that Peter was not sinless and you know, like the first pope, you know, what, every time he speaks, he's speaking for the Lord. Now, here he's actually opposing God's plan. He's a fallen man, just like you and me. And it's the gospel, just like you and me. And Jesus says, it's important that you understand, Peter, there's no entry to the kingdom without the cross. There's no easy way. That's the way that you would choose. That's what I would choose every single time. And when I think of our American culture... I try to think, is the word no even in our vocabulary? If we don't have enough money for something, what do we do? We pull out the credit card. I, don't tell me no. I can get that if I want to. And, and everything, I can pay in installments. Well, except that water purification system, okay? They won't accept payments for that. But everything else I can make, I can make payments on my furniture, my bed. I can use my credit card. When that maxes out, I'll use my next credit card. The government is the perfect example of this. We don't have money for it. That's fine. We'll do it anyways, and we'll worry about the consequences later. We, we always find a way out. We can outspend ourselves. We can uh, overcommit ourselves. That's not a big deal. The American church very much does the same thing. Hey, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter what, what you teach up here, what you live in here. Like As long as we get a big group together, and as long as there's exciting things happening, then, hey, we don't have to talk so much about that sin and the blood thing, okay? That's, that's a little weird. People get weirded out by that. But, you know, it, 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 we got to get people together. There's a cost to that. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus warns. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Do you get that? The contrast between hard and easy. The broad way, why does everyone go that way? Because it's our sinful human nature. We're going to take the easy road. I don't want to sacrifice. I want to try to work my way to heaven. Or I, I want to uh, bring Jesus into the mix of all of my other beliefs and, 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 and cultural thoughts. Jesus says, no, the, the way to life is the hard way. So who's going to take the hard way if you and I won't? God did He's the first move. He took the step and he stepped all the way from heaven to earth. 
he was humble. He humbled himself to do the Father's will to fulfill all of God's promises. The hard way. All the way to the cross. Because you and I never would. Here's the third and final thing we see in this passage. And where the rubber meets the road for you and me. A follower of Christ must empty his hands and pick up his cross. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. Right? Follow Christ and Jesus' hands and picks up his cross. Look at verses 24 to 25. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone will come after me, he has to deny himself, deny those tendencies, deny sin, deny the flesh. Hear me and take up your cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, so does this mean we actually pick up a literal cross and we put it on our shoulder and we carry it around? Some of you kids have those coloring sheets, okay? Jesus carrying a cross, and I see him. You guys are doing a really good job coloring. Awesome job. It's phenomenal, okay? So we remember what Jesus did for us. Is he asking us to do the exact same thing and get nailed to the cross? Not necessarily, okay? He's not saying you should physically do this, although we do know that some of the disciples actually were crucified. They were killed because they preached the good news about Jesus. So we do need to be willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. But what Jesus is primarily getting at here is if your hands are full, you don't have room for Jesus. If he says, come follow me, and I say, yeah, just a minute, Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm working on something. We'll get there. That happens over and over in the Gospels, doesn't it? He calls people to come and follow him. Well, first, I need, uh, I need to go take care of this thing at home. Or, oh, I need to go say goodbye to my friends and do a farewell trip. Or, I, you know, I've got to take care of my finances with my father passing away and everything. And Jesus says, if you're not ready to follow me now, you're not going to be down the road. Your hands are too full. You have to deny yourself. You have to say, I don't have it in me to get myself to heaven. Don't have it in me to save myself. And I'm not a savior. I'm a sinner. So I lay aside any of my own efforts to try to get a relationship with God on my own or to find peace on my own. Or Jesus, forgive me for trying to mix you in with the world and, and what the world says is the right way of living. It's you and it's you alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us this is what happens when you receive Christ, when you put your faith in him. It says it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God so that no one may boast in their works. And sadly, a lot of Christians or so, 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 so-called Christians say, I can get to heaven if I do enough good things. There was a survey done in 2020. I think it was um, a Christian university in Arizona surveyed self-proclaimed evangelicals. And you know, more than 50%, we're talking up to about 60, 66% of people who claim to be Christians, I claim to follow Jesus, said that I can, at least in part, earn my way to heaven with good works. I can do that. I've got, I've got enough goodness in me. That I can, I can do that. No. It's only ever been Jesus. The same Jesus 
that Philippians 2 tells us about, who emptied himself, emptied himself of the riches and, and the title and the throne and stepped down into this fallen world to give up his life for you and me. He was humble. God was humble, and I was not. And now, because of what Jesus has done, Philippians 2.9 says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I think of what we're doing this morning. Worshiping together, Living Hope Church, a small church plant. What does success look like for a small church plant? It's every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do we all have that this morning? Do we know Jesus is our personal Lord and Savior? We're following him. He's, he's our everything. We follow Jesus. I know some of my little ones here this morning, we're praying for that they will understand that. And, and we pray for all of our little ones to understand that. The rich grace of God. What God has given us. And it's so easy for us to just cheapen that and say, well, maybe it's faith plus good works. Maybe it's faith plus a good life, the good American life. No, it's denying ourselves and following Jesus. So if I have anything to say this morning, it's really this. Look at the cross. Look at what God has done for us out of his love and his mercy. We are sinners. And our sin has a cost. And I would never have paid it on my own. I can't pay it on my own. Jesus came and he picked up the cross. And a follower of Jesus, we must empty our hands. And we must follow him as well. And we are going to remember the Lord's sacrifice together. We're going to eat the bread. We're going to drink the cup. And Jesus says, you do this often to remember my body and my blood. And as we do that, I want us to think about what did Jesus sacrifice so that we could have life? And if we are a follower of Jesus, what is Jesus calling us to sacrifice in order to be devoted to him? It's going to involve a loss. It's going to involve discomfort. It's going to involve uh, moving beyond anything that we've known before. I never pictured myself planting a church. Never pictured myself living in Florida. Never pictured saying goodbye to everything we do in North Carolina and moving down here. You know what? It's worth it, Paul Jesus. He fills us up when we empty ourselves and seek his will. It's a gift that he's given us. Let's remember that together. Pastor Dennis, will you come up? Will you lead us in the Lord's Supper? And Lord, as Dennis comes, would you help us to reflect on you? And I just want to say thank you. As we come to the table, we're only drawn in because you loved first. You moved first. And you chose the hard way, Lord. That's why we worship you today.